We say what they can't radio. Hate when he says, I'm not going to let the wolf eat me anymore. If the wolf comes in here, next time he comes in here, I'll do whatever I have to do to keep him off my back. Is the sheep violent or is the wolf the violent one? He wasn't teaching hate, he was teaching common sense. You know, somebody's knocking you over the head, stop them. Do whatever you have to do to stop them. You know, the, the ones that were knocking him over the head were afraid of the, of the fact that he might swing back. So they said, no, he's teaching hate, he's violent. Is the sheep preaching hate? Thank you for tuning in to the Ghetto Prophet Podcast, the podcast with three black male educators from book, 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 Boston, Atlanta, and Brooklyn come together to discuss and argue everything and anything affecting us this week. My name is Mark. My name is Michael Driver. And I am Tyreek Lane. And today we're joined by a special guest, a queen, a dean from the first all boys charter school in Brooklyn, Miss Jaslyn Brown. Thank Hi, you everybody. for joining us. Yo, Thanks for yo. having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank H-U, you. A2. Thank you for having me. You know. Thank you for being on here. Which HU? The only one that matters. Ooh. Oh, Hampton. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't but, play. Jazz, thank you for joining the GPs today. Of um, please, before we begin, let the, let the listeners and viewers know a little bit about yourself. And also, can you also tell folks why your alma mater is better than Michael's? <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to start well, this. The latter question is really easy, but um, <laughs> my name is Jaslyn Brown. I am a five-year resident of Brooklyn, originally from the Midwest, right outside Chicago. I went and attended Howard University, where I received my bachelor's in history and master's in elementary education. I have been working at um, an all-boys charter school here in Brooklyn for the past five years. I previously served as a third and fourth grade teacher, and this year I'm two weeks away from finishing up my first year as dean of students, and it has been a ride. That's what's up. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. Dope, oh, that's dope, lovely to hear. Um, so before oh, we be- and oh, my, my alma mater is better than drivers because, of course, you know why you almost missed that question? Because it was so irrelevant. <laughs> Couldn't even think about it. it didn't I had to address it. it. Why didn't you pick Bethune Cookman or but something? But the Morehouse man was the president, like the first president there. He, really? He, no, I'm a history major, so I have all the facts. Um, he was the first black president. Yes, yes but not the first brother. president. I'm sorry, we talking about brothers only. Okay, brothers only. All right, no, I'm just trying to make <laughs> sure we get at, it right. At the height of this time, we only talking about the success. You're right. Now brothers I feel that. Sisters. I feel brothers that. You're right. I, I love. I love the joy that we starting off this <laughs> podcast with uh, because we always got to think about the brightest moments of our lives right now. Um, Very true. What's going on in this world though um, has to be speaked on. Um, the brutal attacks that's happening on the black communities, especially from law enforcement. Last week, we spoke about Ahmad, um, Steph, the arrest, uh, the amount, the, the letters that we had to write, the numerous calls that we had to call to the higher ups, uh, the running in order for, for us to get the third suspect in custody. And now that's not enough because this week, again, um, the riots has happened in Minneapolis, George Floyd's death, um, Brianna Taylor's death, uh, which for me is not, you know, spoke on a lot. It's in the news. And I feel like that's something that needs to be, you know, also next to George Floyd's death. Uh, but to get us started, how do we all feel? And Jazz, I want to start with you. Um, this week has been really heavy. I think, um, it's been, the news has really been inundated with news like this and stories like this. And I think that we are tasked, unfortunately, with 
reflecting constantly and talking constantly about these things. Um, as a black woman, I think I was just talking with my best friend or she posed a question in our group chat, um, which is also all women of color. And like, how do we feel? Because we often have to bear the brunt of a lot of this, but are often forgotten about in the conversation, as you mentioned, Breonna Taylor, who hasn't received like the amount of coverage as the Ahmaud Arbery's or the George Floyd's, unfortunately. And I think um, I woke up this morning really deeply disturbed. Um, one of my really close guy friends actually texted me at like 2.30 in the morning, like, I can't sleep. And I woke up and just like sent him love and encouragement. But I can't even imagine like how he's feeling, how you guys are feeling, because like this is something that is is definitely targeting our males and our men. And I think like we're all in the fight together. And I think it's important that we stand up for one another. So just like black women are going to be at the forefront of fighting, I think it's really important that we also um, get our men involved and make sure that black men are also fighting for us. I totally, I totally agree with you there. Uh, Tariq, how do you feel? Man, man uh, <laughs> so many feelings that I have. Um, especially because this is not something that's uncommon, right? It's something that's common. It's something that is often that we, we are now seeing it happen more, right? We're now getting glimpses of this clear as day because we have social media, because um, uh, video footage and people are recording. But just think about all of the years that we didn't have these really, this video footage. Just think about all of the years where so many stories that were created by the police and law enforcement were kind of just validated based on their word. And there was no proof. There was no evidence. And even think about this, the Ahmaud, uh, Ahmaud Avery, uh, Aubrey thing, a situation where he was shot and killed by those two men. It, the third man was recording it. And the reason they got caught is because of that recording. And that's the reason they went down. Had he not been recording it, we would not have probably heard about that story. Never. And so that's what that's the, the part of it that frustrates me. That there is so much happening in this country. There's so much that is clear, clear as day to say that there's injustice happening. There's oppression happening. Systemic and systematic racism exists. And then you have people that are literally going, no, doesn't, that's not real. You guys are just playing a victim. Or then you even have black people who are like, no. There's glad, there's gaps in that, in that video of George Floyd. We need to see exactly what happened before that. And just like justifying it in the name of God in the name of Christianity in the name of, 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 Oh, I don't want to be, we're not victims. We have power in this country. So racism doesn't exist. I'm literally seeing people who I know who are black write things like this, say things like this. Saying I agree with Donald Trump, what he just said today or yesterday about um, when they start looting, we start shooting. This is what's happening. And there are people who are asleep at the will. Now to those comments, are you are you responding to like those posts? I'm not, that you're I'm not responding to it and I'm not blocking people either. I'm just I'm just noticing I, I, I'm the type of person I like to see what's happening on all all fronts. I don't want to be put myself in a bubble, mm-hmm. right? But I want to see what's happening. I want to see what people are saying. Right. I want to hear what, what's going on. And it's angering right now. I'm I'm really angered. And the frustrating thing about this anger is that you have to still work. 
we have to still do live our daily lives. We have to still go to the grocery store. <laughs> we have to still see people who are white. We have to still understand and live in a world where there are people who don't even appreciate or value the uh, or understand the pain that we're going through. Right. And we have to live with that. There, there's, there's no where else can we go uh, in terms of at this right in this moment. That's there, and so that's what that's the heartbreaking part about it. Especially as a Christian, you see that there's a huge portion of evangelical white evangelical America that's silent. I have nothing to say. And I seen someone put up a post the other day. They said, "Had this been a, if that was a dog under that police officer's knee, this whole nation would be in an uproar." And that says a lot in terms of what people in this country see as my value. Yeah. It's angry. Thank you for sharing, bro. Yeah, man. Uh, Michael. I mean, thoughts, bro? bro, you know, I honestly, I've been kind of numb, for real. I mean, I think the impact of quarantine kind of hit me different, too, after a while, because I, like, I'm a, I like to move. I'm an extrovert. I like to be around people. I like to do stuff. Um, also, being... Being an educator too, like not really being in the classroom, not being a, like you know, not being in, in that space either. That takes you out of like your your normalized like day to day. But now everything got to be in one space, so you got to deal with all these life like life like situations where you watching people that look like you get killed, and you got to deal with being quarantined in a space where now your work life, your academic life for me because I'm a doctoral student, um, just your you know, your hopes, aspirations, and dreams kind of like, it shift different. Like everything, everything's moving different. Like for me personally, because I like, I realize like this virus one is changing the scope of like how our society will have to move over time. So like some of the things about how I like thought life was going to go is not the same. So you take that emotion in then you take the events of like George Floyd. Um, you take just already been witnessing it before. And it, it's not, it, the fact is nothing new. It's just like, all right, damn, again. So now I think what I think sucks for me and uh, and with our profession, it really sticks is just being educators. Mm-hmm. And like, think about what like childrens, like they're not even brought up in these conversations. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, government is not ran to make them see a better image. You know, mm-hmm. uh, society is not set up for them to acknowledge. Yeah. It's just for them to inherit. Like they're gonna inherit all these experiences of this darkness and try to find the light in your, you know, moments that you can. Yeah. Like, but we tired of living like that. Like, I'm, I'm tired of living in these like find a light when you can. Like, why we just can't like have those? Like, this is the same video with uh, Charles Barkley and the, and, the, and the lawyer and the white dude was like, yeah, I, like eventually white people are gonna be a minority. So I do believe white privilege privilege should stay. Like when I think about that concept or like where that ties in, it just makes me think like he says that because he's he's safe in that security of being able to be safe yeah. to not have to question certain systems. So I feel like I'm just tired of being at a space where we always talking about a 400 year old system. Yeah, right. it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's tiring. It is tiring. It's and tiring. You guys are stealing the word that, you know, you guys are saying the word that I, that express my feelings right now. I'm tired. You know, it, I'm tired of every morning when I wake up and I turn on my phone. Notifications is based off constant videos that we haven't seen before. That's now violent. That's been happening five days ago. Yesterday I saw this video of a, of an officer. I think 
it was multiple. Uh, it was actually multiple of them in DC, uh, stopping the vehicle, uh, you know, and the onlookers crowding, making sure that the George Floyd situation doesn't happen again. And in a quick instant is someone's fighting with a police officer. Yeah. And I, and I'm not going to lie to you. I felt so good when I saw that black man threw a punch at a white officer, knowing that it's, it wasn't right. I, it felt good, but I knew that it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. I knew that it wasn't right because we could do better. Right? right. And again, we, we are protesting. We are doing the right things to make sure our voice gets heard. Right. But what happens when we protest? A riot breaks out. Right. Right. And, and, and let me say this protesting is not, especially nonviolent protests is, is only going to work if those that are in power or those that are the oppressor has a conscience. Stokely Carmichael said, if they have a conscience, it will work. We're not dealing with an oppressor and a system that has a conscience. So they're seeing our demise and us being brutalized. And then we're responding in this nonviolent way. They're, they don't see it as a, oh man, this is wrong. They have no, no, they don't care. There's no conscience there. So that's why we have a sense. We have a conscience. We're like, you know, that's even fighting that police officers. That's not right. But when your oppressor has no conscience, what's not right kind of gets thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. It's time for that to go. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And we got to stand up to the plate and fight back in terms of, and I asked myself, what would I have done if I was in that place when George Floyd was sitting on getting his, that, uh, the officer had his knee on his neck. And you hear people say, like, yo, bro, if you did something, you probably got shot. Yeah. And it's in a moment where it's like, what do you do? And and now you you hear when police officers get killed and, and things are happening, and the whole city goes to a standstill because this brave officer lost his life. But another black man gets killed. It's business as usual. Or black woman. I mean, or black woman. Black woman. Black I mean, it's actually worse, bro. Because the fact that the fact that like Breonna Taylor and like that whole—it's not brought. I mean, it's not that it's not brought up. It's just, it's just at the, it's crazy. It's at the bottom of of the totem pole, and it's just like in the sense of it all, like black lives in general should just be the concept right now that that's what's been taken away. I haven't heard any news right now of anybody who does not look, who is not a person of color being mm-hmm. killed, and if they have mm-hmm. lost their life. It's been taking place because of this virus. Now, with that being said, that's something to keep in mind too. Like, that's on the news constantly, bro. Right. We, but running them numbers. So un- until so, and, and and it ties into, but then everything starts to open back up again when you find that the numbers is eighty percent. Yeah. So it just goes to show you, like, the value, like our life value is it's low. Right. So you right, bro. You you'd have ran up on the cop and try to do anything, tackle like you could have tackled him and got him off his neck, whatever. I mean, it's like. Your sacrifice. That's the that's the sad part about it. You gotta look at any time intervention is involved. You gotta look at it like a sacrifice. Yeah. Right now, uh, I think it's go also ahead, like I, I read some. I've been reading so much, but like someone said that our nation at this point is almost like a powder keg, just like ready to blow. Yeah. And I think about the impact that COVID nineteen has had on our communities. Um, in a disproportionate rate than it's had on others. I think about the fact that police are still killing us um, in a pandemic, which shows to me that, like, to your point, Tyreek, there, there's no value on black life. Like, you're, you're going to take our life in the middle of a pandemic where this virus is also taking our life. 
Um, it's just really crazy. And I think people are fed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think protests and riots are the language of the oppressed when no one is listening. And I think we have hashtagged and we've marched and we've tried to mobilize our communities. And I don't think that it's working because we keep seeing the same things over and over happening to our people. And so, um, so like people who are saying, you know, you shouldn't riot. Like I've seen a lot of people say, but, but stop the riots. You know, I'm down for this cause, but like, we don't have to be tearing down communities. Like, honestly, we need to do whatever is going to take to make noise and to get things done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, if that means a target has to go, it has to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can be replaced. Black life can't. You know, my friend was reminding me earlier today because I was actually one of the, st- one of the, you know, folks that said, I'm not for the riots because I feel like we're way smarter than that. Like our voices was heard in the Ahmad case, right? We ran for Ahmad. We retweeted, we repost, we made countless calls, we wrote letters. So if that's possible, then then there's like nonviolent tactics that we could do to get our voices heard. But I never knew that in Minneapolis, it started with a protest first that then led to a riot. Mm -hmm. So I, what I what I'm mad about is when I get on social media and I'm not seeing anything about the protests. Yeah. What I'm seeing is tear gas being thrown. What I'm seeing is that we're running. When well, I'm not saying we're in, the the protesters are running in through Target, like just tearing shit down, which I got satisfaction out of too. But what I don't like is when folks are walking out with fifty uh, fifty inch flat screen TVs, two lamps, and it's but it's just one people of color though. It, it, from the videos. But what I heard, what I also saw this morning, it was a cop, was a cop that's, that was yeah. AutoZone though. The cop knocked down the window in AutoZone. Well, I'm just saying in the, in the sense and, of like the looting. So exactly, know. right? So what, who actually... Do you know why they targeted Target? I was just about to break because, it up. Uh, because mm-hmm. I heard that they funded the police department. They are major funders in that city. What I heard they rioted and started wrecking stuff because when they got like... Uh, tear gas and stuff in their eyes. They, they weren't trying to get milk and stuff like that, and they weren't yeah, trying to give them nothing. They right. just turned mm-hmm. up. But even systematic, but but, but about on the system, system level, yeah, right. the system Ma- level. Target is is a major funder and supporter of the the police department there, right? And and so you have to recognize that and it's kind of like well, shit. You know, it's <laughs> like Target. Th- th- there's so much, and I saw a quote earlier. Someone put up. They said. um they said black people have every right to burn down a country they, they built for mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. Shit, we built this for free. Big free. Right. And so let me be clear that if you are more angry at the fact that buildings are burnt down, if you're more angry at the fact that a store was looted, if you're outraged at the fact that uh, a city is particularly burning or some buildings are burning or a section of a city is burning, and you're not upset at the fact that people attempted to protest freely, to exercise that right to protest, that freedom of speech that we so-called say that uh, that we have as a right from the Constitution. Uh, if you're not mad about them being tear gassed for no reason, if you're not mad at the fact that lawyers and doctors and people who are frontline responders are being uh, uh, tear gassed and maced and, um, and brutally injured and locked up. Because that's who protesting as well. Then, then you, something's wrong yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. And, and damn sure something's wrong with you if you're not upset the fact that this man was clearly lynched. Yeah. In yeah. the middle of the right. street. Exactly. For eight he was, it wasn't just a murder, it was a torture. Talk, talking about that, did you not see the, the surfacing photo of a man, a white man at that, 
laying on the floor with a knee on his neck stating that it's been eight minutes mm-hmm. and I have yet passed away. Wow, that, that, that was insane. I mean, right? let's talk about Jennifer. Jennifer is at Target. See, Jennifer's I, at I, Target I, in a in the wheelchair. Like like and, and and my issue with that is see hi, okay, so you I'm say, sorry. You say you 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 you're going to save Target. And, and this is my issue with these like we we like they flipping all this on our heads about mm-hmm. our anger, but you don't look at these notions. She said, I'm going to protect Target. Takes away from the point of the fact that, well, what if you was like in your wheelchair in front of the police station trying to stab the, the feds from taking lives? I would not. Well, and, and think about but then she wasn't even, she wasn't even disabled. She was actually walking around. There's video footage of her walking around. Well, she, I, the, the, the woman in the wheelchair. Wheelchair lady. Wheelchair lady stabbing oh. people and then they extinguished her. Well, uh, it's <laughs> just, but no, I'm saying, but I want you to think about like what goes into heroism or being a hero. Because people were, like, praising her for that and pity party for her. And then the protesting in itself, out of the anger that was sparked, does not, it Ooh, doesn't get no Lifted her ass up I off that wheel. It, 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 it gets no empathy. There's no empathy. It really makes me think about, like, how deeply racism is ingrained in this country and ingrained in certain people in this country. Like, how much do you really have to not like black people to go to target which does it's not even your employer to try and save the store store. like that is that is so but you can walk and you in a wheelchair it makes me think about just like how how much you're relying upon this and like how much this is really what you believe and it's so scary and it and it goes back generations and i think like we're having these conversations and we have had these conversations and generations before us have had these conversations. And it's just like, how much more of this is it going to take to finally change people's attitudes and change people's hearts and change people's minds and make them do something different? Because we've clearly been doing the same thing in, in, in a variety of different ways for 400 years and it's not changing. And so, like, Ain't nothing changed. Right. what do we have to do in order to change the minds of these people who don't feel like we are equal, who don't feel like we matter, who don't think that we have any value? Um, because, like I said, it's just so deep in them. The same thing they did to show England that they had value. Fight their asses. Fight. Mm-hmm. Because this, this, is, this is what has to happen. Right. And it's like I, I was listening to a debate with Malcolm X and James Baldwin uh, the other day. Mm. And I'm listening to James Baldwin and Malcolm X, great friends. And they just kind of presenting two different ideas. And James Baldwin was saying, I understand the nonviolent movement and I understand the, the move for policy and things of that, that nature. And Malcolm is saying, I'm not with that nonviolent movement because the only people group in this in the history of this world that has been oppressed and has been put down the way that we have. The only people that have been oppressed like we have, been, like, like we've been, that's told to be, be nonviolent is us. People of the African diaspora. We're told to be nonviolent. Any other groups of people that when things happen and they're, and they're oppressed, we celebrate them. We like, yeah, they, re- they rebelling. They fighting back. We're going to get behind the rebels to overthrow them. And then black people is, well, you know, be nonviolent. <laughs> take, take take a moment, you know, negotiate. But may, maybe no negotiating will happen until, as and I'm and I'm not advocating this, but until Stokely Carmichael's words come 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 to pass. Right. So and that's the that's the and I'm not advocating like we need to go out in front. But if nothing changes, if up. things don't stop, 
You can only go but so far. Only go but mm-hmm. so far. So being edu- being educators and directly to you too, Jasmine, uh potentially being a mother of a child in the future, how do you feel like raising a child in America? Now like, does this change your perspective on how you bring up your child? Does what your child learns in order to be a successful, uh powerful, uh just all in all, just that perfect groom to continue your legacy and living in America. How do you? I mean, I think anytime something like this happens, I'm immediately like thinking about our boys um, first, because like that is who I have direct impact or like direct contact with. Not so much anymore because of COVID. Um, but I think about like how these things are impacting them. Um, and then to your point, Mark, I also think about like, how am I going to raise my kids in the future? Um, like I want to be a mom and I definitely want to have a boy, like hopefully first fingers crossed. But, um, I, I want him to be strong and to be, uh, to feel confident in who he is. But I also, unfortunately, am going to be tasked with preparing him for the world and things that he may encounter. And I think back to like, Things that my mom told my brother, I have a twin brother, um, things that my mom told my brother that she didn't necessarily have to tell me, um, one, because I was just like a super rule follower, but two, because like our worlds look different. Um, and the dangers that he's faced with every day aren't necessarily dangers that I'm faced with or things that are perceived about him aren't things that are perceived about me all the time. And so I think about just like those having those conversations early, but having them, um, in a way that doesn't make, uh, my future son feel scared, uh, or feel fearful of anyone because I definitely don't want that. Um, but just to make sure that he comes back to me, if I, if he leaves me, I want him to come back. And so, um, I think we have to unfortunately think about those, those conversations that we're all going to have to have, you know, maybe one day. And, um, as a future black mom or potential black mom, I think it's just really important that uh, we think about how to present those in a way that empowers our kids mm-hmm. and not makes them feel fearful. Now, being a, a dean and an educator at all and an all boys school, what what are you going to teach your boys now? I mean, because right now we're doing this remote learning and we stay in contact with them every week. What are you going to what are you going to tell your boys? I think it depends a lot on age. Um, I am working with our youngest baby, so kindergarten through fourth grade. And I think like something that I may tell one of my fourth graders is going to be presented differently in how I tell one of my kindergartners. But I think like overall, I think it is standing up for what you believe in um, and doing it in a way that connects with whoever your audience may be. And so when I'm deaning, I think a lot about like behavior and are you acting in a way that promotes education um, and making sure that you're not making it harder for your teacher to teach. But I think like when I talk to them about the world and things that they may encounter, I always try and frame it in a way that like is something that they can aspire to um, and something that they can kind of look forward to, but not and not be fearful of, as I stated, because. I think that like we have to prepare them um, to go out into the world and present themselves in a way that 
makes people respect them mm-hmm. um, and makes people like know who they are and know that they're here and know that they're here to make a positive change or a positive dif- difference. I always think about like when we go on field trips, we often take the subway and I have to give like a black mom speech to the boys right. before we go. Like, don't make no noise. Don't be all up on somebody, but that is to protect them. Right. Um, and they probably don't think of that like now, like, Oh, she just telling us something else, but it really is to protect them and to protect the, the way that they are perceived. Because mm-hmm. I cannot tell you like how many little side eyes um, or just like, People will move away when they see them coming. And um, that is, you know, on them to decide, like, how they're going to react. But I don't want my boys to give them any reason to do that. Right. Just move the way you move. Now, for me, uh, while I always, at the end of class, everyone in my classes, I always tell my boys, I'm not sure what's going to happen to you as soon as you step foot out the school building. I know what I'm doing. It's not, I'm all, I'm not only teaching you math, but I'm also teaching you how to carry yourself mm-hmm. once you step foot outside mm-hmm. this classroom. So I always tell them I am afraid whenever they answer me, when they, whenever they just give me a straight answer, that's never enough for me because I always tell them to explain. You always got to explain. There's always a reason behind your answers. There's always a reason behind your move. I always tell them whenever you walk out this school building, you got to keep your head on the swivel because you're a target. Thanks. You could go, you could be going to the corner store with your friends. A cop will stop you. High chance that they, that they will. Cause they'll consider you as a gang. Cause you're with a group of friends. Now, I never told my students how to talk to a cop. How will you guys tell your future sons or your students that you're teaching right now how to move forward? How do you converse with a cop whenever you're stopped? See, I, I, I struggle with this. They're a citizen first. Because I, I, I am, I'm, I struggle with this because there are so many instances where people have, men and women of color, have spoken to the cops fine. Mm-hmm. They've done the, right. They they were fine. They hey, Mister Officer, thank you so much. Why did you stop me? Um, keep my hands where they where they're seen. Hey, Mister Officer, I have a Philando Castile. Hey, Mister Officer, I have a legal firearm in my in my glove department. I am I have my hands hit. Pow 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 pow. They didn't even do anything. Did the did the right thing. So I think that it's beyond at this point, like teaching them how to talk to the police. It's to a point where it's either the police is going to know how to police black communities mm-hmm. or get the hell out. Or we need to find ways to infiltrate the system and do and have our own police. That's what I'm saying. We need to have our own. If we got if I got to become a you feel me, if I had to become a cop to like infiltrate that system and like galvanize more people and train more people. I would do that. Right. Like for real, for real, it's like the book, uh, it's the book, but it's a movie called The Spook Who Sat at the Door. Mm-hmm. And it's about the black man who infiltrated the CIA. Infiltrated the CIA, then left and went back to his neighborhood and trained them. Mm-hmm. And like in the end of the movie, you know, it usually end with like the black assailants like dying. No, it, The Spook Who Sat at the Door. Okay. It ends with like a rebellion. It, it ends with like the system having its own text, like used against them because yeah. i mean I, I, it's, it's just tiring bro because you think about the fact that like what's your etiquette like what kind of professional like, you think about teacher professional development how much how many hours we got to sit through it? <laughs> i'm trying to figure out what kind of police professional development is out here and what you doing because them hours ain't doing it them hours ain't cutting it do y'all have counselors like do they got counselors to talk to them like i mean it, it, they, they aggressive bro they mad they angry 
And I be trying to tell people, like, I tell people all the time, I feel like APD a little different. But I guess it hit different with APD because I do have friends and family who are police officers. So when I hear people talking about the cops a certain man, I'm like, yo, man, it was my homie Justin or or my pro fight. Uh, Ralph, it was one of them. I'm like, ah, I know they in the fight in a different manner. Mm -hmm. But guess what? It's disregarded. That does not matter. So everybody looks at cops co- the same way. Color doesn't matter. Not when you're a cop. It's that badge. It's that badge. If they see that badge, they see one color. It's, it's, so about, blue. it's, it's also just about like their wielding of power. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it is when they're being aggressive, it's showing how much power they have over whoever they're interacting with. And mm-hmm. so him, you know, this officer having his knee on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes was an extreme abuse of power, but also like an extreme show of power mm-hmm. because he knew that no one can do anything. Like to your point earlier, like what would I do if I was in that situation? One, you don't know what you're going to do until you're in any situation, mm-hmm. until you're faced with it. But also you also know or you you have the idea that there's nothing stopping this man or his fellow officers from pulling a gun on you and shooting you right there. Mm-hmm. And so it, it instilled that that overexertion of power instills fear in those who really is designed to protect. And unfortunately that's not what's happening. Yeah. And it's, and you know, I, didn't, I don't think we mentioned this yet. What? The backstory to Crazy. George Floyd and that particular. Oh officer. yeah. There's a backstory mm-hmm. that knowing each other, that they knew each other. How many years? 17. 17. They worked at the same place as bouncers at the same restaurant for 17 years. So he was putting on the show personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he knew exactly what he was doing. He's putting on the show. And this particular officer is an open and avid Trump supporter. He was at the, um, uh, where he was standing right behind Trump. Wasn't, isn't there like a picture of him wearing a red shirt standing next I ain't to Trump? Look, I ain't looking, I ain't look deep into it, but I heard that, well, during the arrest, during the arrest, I heard the, uh, there was a, um, a witness, um, a witness who told CNN that when he was telling him that he can't not breathe, he just stared at him without saying a word. He said he saw, he saw it in his face. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to do that. He wanted to do that. And there's four cops standing around. So for me, when you said that, not all, you know, not every cop is bad. And I understand. And I know that not at my friends are cops. You want, you want to, you want hope. Exactly. You want it. Every cop is not bad. Every cop is not bad. No, I was just saying you want to keep that hope. In in that situation, there's probably more than four cops. But watch this. Watch this. Go ahead. How many cops do we have in the nation? You want to know the salary? 800,000, right? You want to know the salary? No, no, no. It's not even salary. It's about 800,000, right? And it's a 99%, 98 to 99% of them are upstanding. What's 1% of 800,000? You're asking, I don't know. I got to use my calculator. Bro, bro, 1% of 800,000. Do you know? 8,000. That's about 8,000. <laughs> what are you teaching our black boys? <laughs> Hey, look at him. I'm like, hey, look, I'm over here. I'm over here like, shit. Don't call me. No, I'm, you, you I'm just, over here using. I know. I ain't gonna, I'm I, using percentage. I'm using decimals. I'm like, Mark like, is what? like uh, 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 oh. pi over three squared. No, but no, seriously, that's crazy. That's eight thousand. That's about eight to ten thousand individuals. And you telling me that that's just that's 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 a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. Mm. 
that they're out here doing what they're doing. And to know Eight to 10, that this do officer, what they want to do. Who, we, 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 who will not be, I'm not naming him. This officer had 17 other complaints filed against him. 17 other opportunities for criminal uh, actions to be filed against him. And the only one time they sent him a letter of reprimand. And guess who was the district attorney who was supposed to be responsible for prosecuting him and refused to do it? I do not know. Amy, Amy Klobuchar, Klobuchar. Potential VP. Absolutely I not. wish she would. I won't be black. Joe Biden, if you pick her, mm-hmm. I guarantee you I won't pick, I won't vote for you because this is just, this is the issue. This is the issue. So I'm glad that you mentioned Joe Biden. Uh, wh- why haven't they said anything? And, and does it bother you that they haven't said anything? I'm talking about Trump and I'm talking about Biden. I know Trump said something about the looting. He ended up calling us, uh, what thugs? Yeah, he said something about looting. He has not one yeah, word. Trump has said something about, like, about the, um, actual, um, about the murder. He has said something. He has he? Yeah, he says something. Now, well, but it, it's, 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 like, does it bother you? He was a great guy. Great individual. So sad. Horrific. Horrific. That's what he said. Like, this nonsense. Like, it's unbelievable. Cause in the same breath, now you're more outraged and now you're mm-hmm. some federal troops to stop the black people mm. who were being antagonized. They're being antagonized out there. Yeah, and it's still not the mean pepper spray. It negates everything positive that he said or anything that was, you know, even somewhat in support because he's so loud with all of his dangerous Mm -hmm. and hate speech. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hate speech. Mm -hmm. You're right, Jazz. It's hate speech. And how can we trust this? This man is a, and I've been very careful to not say all of these things, but one, he's incompetent. Mm-hmm. He's a he's uh, an unfit he's an unfit leader. Uh, yeah. He is but a what's, divisive. But what's scary about it is that there's people out there that will still vote for him. Who wants what to do? They will actually listen to what that man has to say once he gets on the mic. They gotta shoot me the face. Get the hell out of here! I can't, I can't imagine. And yes, and yes, we throw jokes over here that yeah, you know, oh, oh Mark, you, you voted for Trump. No, listen, I'm not saying all that. But this dude can say anything and people will listen. Why isn't he saying anything about George Floyd? We don't want to hear it, bro. We don't want nothing. We don't. He has to say something. Biden has to say something too. Oh, Biden? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think, but I haven't heard Biden say anything. But we don't want nothing from, we don't want nothing from Trump. He keeps, especially Breonna Taylor, y'all. You can't, you cannot be sleeping in your home. And, innocent. And she innocent. And she's an EMT. She was a first responder. I also heard that the man that they were looking for was in custody. Was in custody. It wasn't the it wasn't the man that she was sleeping with. No. So they walked into her house, riddled her ass with bullets, just like Fred. Just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like Fred. Just, just exactly for no like that. And just I think like those situations, something is is something happening. And guys, we we need to, and I say this to all all of us, and you too. We need to be aware. We need to be awakened to understand what moment in history this is. And this is nothing to sneeze at. This is nothing. This is not a, oh, the pass. Mm-hmm. Just want to be on those situations. Ah, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, next week it'll be something else that we're all serious about. No. This is the beginning of the modern civil rights, human rights movement that has been brewing. And I'm not sure if this one will be nonviolent. That's the, that's the clear reality. That's the only difference that this civil rights movement 
it'll be televised, but I don't think it's going to be nonviolent. So here's my question. And Jazz, I want to start with you. What should we do? Or should we do anything at all? I've been thinking a lot about like our quote unquote call to action and what we're going to do for ourselves, but also what we're going to charge others to do, particularly others that don't look like us. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that actually and like what people thinking about people's silence and how silence right now is not what you want to do because it is automatically interpreted as not being in the cause or not being in the fight. And I think about like one thing that we can do is continue to have conversations like these, um, continue to not um, like this. We can't become so numb. Michael, you used that word earlier, but and I don't think you meant it like in a way, but I think like we can't become so desensitized to this where it doesn't affect us. Like it, it, it's going to affect us and we have to allow ourselves time and space to process through it, but we can't gloss over it. Um, but I also think we have to charge people who don't look like us to have these conversations as well and to have them with people who they may be uncomfortable having these conversations with, um, grandparents or parents who may be of a different era and a different generation that may hold different ideas. Um, you know, I'm sure that we all have non-people of color who are friends, um, who hold a lot of the same ideas that we do and, and are posting and supporting and things like that. But we don't necessarily know what their mom thinks mm-hmm. or their aunt or mm-hmm. their grandpa. And so they have to have those hard conversations with them. And I say hard because they may not have been faced with them, like coming at them in that mm-hmm. sort of way. Um, we can speak freely with our families, yep. with our loved ones about race and things that impact us, but they may not. And they may not have ever before, but I think it's about courage and I think it's about courage on us to approach them and ask, have you talked about this or Mm -hmm. what what are you doing? Um, And then courage on their part to then go and have those conversations Mm -hmm. on top of donating. There was a fund that I saw a lot of people were donating to, to um, bail out. Yeah. To bail out the the protesters who have been arrested. Those sorts of things are are actionable things that we can do here and and from far away from Minneapolis um, to support the cause. Mm -hmm. Now, if, uh, if our voices aren't heard, I'm, this is what a person responded to me on, on IG. If our voices are heard, do we end up swinging? They're not heard. Do we not heard? Yeah. If our voices aren't heard, do we end up swinging? Somebody else died. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, let's be real. Somebody died tomorrow. It's over with. Like by the hands of a cop. It's a wrap. Like it's a wrap. I mean, I don't even know. Like, that's what I'm saying. I don't even know what my response would be. Cause I'm so like, my, I've been sluggish. Cause I'm like, my mind is like, my mind is embracing the fact that this is like, damn, again. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I, I was already blown with this quarantine and I'm just thinking about the fact that like I'm watching people go out and still be out here pushing these, pushing the timeline back for people who are out here doing what they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. So now we ain't gonna never have a chance to live. So now when I think about that, that frustration on top of the fact that you like, damn, I want to live to live to die. Mm-hmm. Nah. And you know what's crazy? There are people like that officer that had his knee on George Floyd's uh, neck. There's plenty of him out there. There are plenty of Amy Coopers out there and oh, Amy Cooper, boy. right? Amy and Matt, and, and, and just, and just think about it. Amy Cooper has parents. Amy Cooper has grandparents. Amy Cooper has a brother. Amy Cooper a- is a liberal. Mm. 
Amy Cooper supported she Barack woke. Obama. <laughs> yeah, she's quote unquote woke. woke. And so like also those people who like, are you really about it? Right. Or mm-hmm. like, is this a, a front or a facade? Yeah. Um, or like, is your privilege to like what I was talking about earlier so deeply ingrained that you don't even recognize mm-hmm. it? Right. You don't even know. Um, I, I'd like to think that she know she knew full well what she oh, was doing, oh, yeah. elevating her voice and all oh, these theatrics. She said, she said but I'm like, going to do this. But like, there are some who, and I think about white women in particular because I feel like I've seen this the most from them. <laughs> we about to shake the table. Don't get me started. <laughs> but like, white women weaponizing their privilege Ooh. against people of color, particularly um, yeah. people of color who are in power over them. Um, like Chris Cooper was simply asking her to abide by a rule that had already been set in place by the New York City Park System. He, he was, was just asking, yep. yeah, he was just asking her to do what the sign already said. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she was being told to do something right. by a black man was enough for her to feel like she needed to then threaten him by lying mm-hmm. and saying that he was threatening her and her dog. Let me let me say this. <laughs> To the super woke liberals who are uh, out there, the white people who are super woke. I'm pretty sure some of them are listening. Let me let you know this. If you are not about this life, you will be exposed in this time. Period. Your time of exposing, your exposure is coming. It's now. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's being revealed. And, you know, we, we work in a, in an education system. And let me tell you this. Talk about it. They are full. They are in there. Heavy. And they are hiding behind the construct of, I'm trying to close the achievement gap. Mm-hmm. They that email that got you in trouble. <laughs> and what, what, what do they focus on? They don't focus on the kids. They focus on what, Tom? Behavior. And they're trying to close the achievement gap. And they're trying to teach these young black boys because they care about them. One let send out at a time. Let me tell you something. White savior. Let me tell you something. They're not a white savior. They're actually a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I say this because these individuals, they understand and they recognize that they're more passionate about having control over black boys than actually educating them. Mm-hmm. They're more passionate. Now, are there some who are out there? I can name some that yeah. are all legit. Yeah. And I mean legit. That's cute. But let me but, say this. But there are some others. You know. And the education system are full of them. I grew up in the DOE, and then I also went to a charter school mm-hmm. at one point in my, my educational career. So I understand. I'm a charter kid, and I'm also a Ooh, DOE bless. kid. Let me, let me be clear. I remember word for word my teachers when I was only in third, fourth grade. These white women saying, well, if we were acting out, we were, they couldn't control us, quote unquote. I don't care if you act out. I still get paid mm-hmm. whether you learn or not. Do it for the money. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get my money. I'm gonna sit here and drink my coffee and, and read my news. And guess what? They were absolutely right. And guess who was losing out? I was losing out. Mm-hmm. But we are now, we're now in a predicament where we work in a, we serve in a school that predominantly, uh, works with, uh, black young men, black and black, brown boys, and with majority, it's a black leadership teams and black staff. We don't play that. We, we will go to all extent to make sure you get your education. Mm-hmm. There's not one time I've told my kids, well, I'm a, I don't care if you learn or not. I'm going to get paid because it ain't about the money. Hell it's no. about the impact. It's hey, about the influence. And you know something else that like Jazz brought up that, that's big for me is like 
the the silence too from from people that don't mm-hmm. look like us. Mm-hmm. Like for me, if Tony Stark, I mean, if Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Tony Stark, if Robert like <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> What about Alex Cross? <laughs> if Tony Stark dead serious, if Tony Stark, I'm, damn, if Robert, <laughs> if Robert Downey Jr. really got on screen, like got on a platform and said something, it would mean something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if Chris Evans, like you worked with Samuel L. Jackson, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and you know he, ex- I know he, I know he was on set. He was, he was out I know there. He was on set. Yeah, he, he accentuating his blackness, bro. On set, I don't even like we ain't even just mm-hmm. somebody in the film itself, but like on set, like you knew who you was. Mm-hmm. You knew he's black as shit. And keep it that way. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, in those moments, like those platforms that know they got our, they had our attention. Like you think about Black Panther, Black Panther. Mm-hmm. That money that it made, that was our money. We paid for that. We saw that joint four, five, six, seven mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. But where the, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where are those type of platforms to support? You know what I mean? Like, like all, like the white celebrities, where you at? Mm-hmm. Well, half the way, Christian Bale, bro. We, bro, we loved you, bro. You, you feel, Batman, like, like, really, really think about the fact that, like, we don't hear nothing from them. And you right know, now. let me say this, especially about people in entertainment. Mm-hmm. They, in a sense, have to be. Let me say, and let me be clear. Hollywood is the number one left wing liberal place in in the world, probably, especially in this country. And they're full of crap too, <sighs> because you have people in these predicaments, in these positions. And they can't say nothing because they're afraid to. They gotta keep that. Because they don't want to mess up opportunities yeah. that they have coming yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, insane. Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane about the people who are entrepreneurs and who are actors and who are out there. They have to be, they, sometimes they even, they want to speak their truth, but then they also have moments where they're like, yo, me speaking my truth right now, will that cost me? Yeah. A job. Mm-hmm. They have well, that cost me. They have agents and publicists who are telling them what may be against what's on their conscience and on their heart to do right. because of because of money. And to your point, driver, like so so take the money back. Mm-hmm. So don't go see the show. You when the show open up, don't go to the game. You know if if your favorite athletes are not supporting and speaking out, like pull your money, and that is where it's going to take sacrifice on the part of black people. Because one thing about black people, we like to have fun. We like to enjoy ourselves. We especially going to like to go out after this quarantine. Mm-hmm. But we need to really, really mobilize and really get serious and intentional about our plan. Yeah. Um, and, and make sure that we're all on the same page. Yeah, because one right. will mess it up for everybody. Right. Oh, yeah. So Definitely. To add to that. Yeah. No. no the, uh, so Blackout Day, July, July 7th. 7th. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is a call to action. We need one day of solidarity in America when not one black person in America spends a dollar. This includes Africans, Native Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanics, mm-hmm. all people of, co- of color. Together, we have $3.9 trillion in economic spending power. That is $10,684,931,506.80 in spending in cost per day. So the next time a person of color is going to spend money. So we take that one. How much in one day? One dollar. Ten million. No, ten million six hundred around the country a day. If each per, if each black person saves a person dollar, I'm tripping. Ten, person of ten color. billion six hundred eighty-four million nine hundred thirty-one thousand five hundred six dollars and eighty cents a day. If if we July seventh don't spend no money, that's how much money oh, is not ten. Ten billion is not and spent. Wow. And then on July eighth, 
support black-owned businesses and on July 9th and on July 10th and on August 10th and and as much as you can because I think like that is that is where it's going to hit people hard and that is where people are going to see like oh they're not playing you're not playing with y'all no more See, was, they, see, this is what it. This, it now, it's going to. But the thing I is, we got to be real. We got to go. I'm also frustrated because I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I know my people. I know people. Exactly. And that's the frustrating thing about it. Like, no, I gotta get those Yeezys, bro. No, bro. Like, I just want to smack that. them sometimes. Right. Forget that, like, right? Because they just they're just part of the system. They're just getting like, right. just you just you're just a part of the problem, bro. Like. Like, you would have never been able to survive the bus boycott of Montgomery. Riggs, I think about the, that all the time. You would have never. <laughs> you would have been that black person that got on and then got junked by white people for being on the bus. Because you didn't, you, you strayed away from that. Or, or it's cold outside, or I don't feel like it. I'm gonna just take the bus today. Like, that is, but that is the level, and that is why I, respect our ancestors so much because they had that discipline. Yeah, it's man. about self-discipline yeah. and it's about unity to unity know that somewhere. like no matter what, yeah, we're tired today. Yeah, it's cold today. Mm-hmm. We want to do this, but mm-hmm. we have to be together. Yeah. And they did that for over a year. Right. Oh, yeah. Was oh, it yeah. Almost 13 months. Definitely. Yeah. 13 months. They did that. And that's what it's going to call. That's what it's going to take, y'all. Mm-hmm. It's going to take us being disciplined. It's going to take us uniting. It's going to take us getting over our issues. It's going to take us fighting back where it hurts. And Louis Farrakhan said this when I went to his march, uh, 10, 10, was it, it was 10, 10, 15, I think, or 10, 10, 14. Um, he said at the Justice or Else march on Washington, uh-huh. he said, black people in this nation spend over, what is it, $3 trillion, 3.9, $3.9 trillion a year. Between the last, the last, between Black Friday and January 30, um, December 31st, over 800 trillion of that, 800 million, 800 billion of that is spent in that five week span. Mm-hmm. Nearly 25% of the money that we spend all year long is, is within those five mm-hmm. weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. And so think about how much more power we'll have if we really took our money and invested it where we wanted to invest it and where we need to invest it. Right. So it's going to go far. So let's see what happens, man. Yeah, and definitely, and again, I remind myself the reason why, you know, we even started this podcast for us to have a platform where our voice could be heard. And again, we're doing it. And I feel yeah. like this is something that we had to touch up on. Yeah. This is something that we each had to say something on. So just so that our voices are heard and it gets to plenty of ears out there, whoever needs to listen, that we, we're going to have to do what we have to do, right? We're going to have to speak up and not only us, white people too. Yeah, right, absolutely. they're gonna have to speak up. Mm-hmm. But Jasmine, thank you for joining us, the GP today. Me. This is uh, so nice. You know, you know. Thank you for tuning in to Ghetto Profit Podcast. Please don't forget to follow us on Ghetto Profit Podcast on our IG page, Ghetto Pro- Profit Podcast on Facebook, and Ghetto Profit Podcast One on Twitter. See you next week. Peace.